you have your Bible with you, whether that's a hard copy or your phone or tablet, uh, find the book of Proverbs. That's where we're going to be here in a little bit, and you'll just be ready to go when we get there. We've got several verses that we're going to be uh, moving through this morning, and that'll help us out when that time comes. As you're finding that, uh, just a, a quick question. How many of you like fire? Anybody willing to admit that you like fire? Anybody like to play with fire? All right. Um, I don't know. There's just something that's fun um, with, with fire. Maybe that's more of a, a guy thing, but as a young boy, I love playing with fire. Uh, parents needed to hide the matches and all that stuff. Um, this week, we've had the opportunity to see the tremendous power of, of fire for good and for beauty. If you participated in lighting off your own fireworks or you went to a fireworks display, if you had children running around with sparklers, then you saw uh, the beauty and the power of fire for good. Uh, there's something about that chemical chain reaction when oxygen and heat meet a fuel source that it just creates something beautiful and uh, incredible. Some of you took time to, to gather around a fire with friends and family in your backyards, on a patio, uh, maybe at a campsite. I've, I've heard stories from some of you. I've seen some of your social media posts, and you spent some time this week with the holiday just, just gathering around a fire with friends. And there's something powerful and, and beautiful uh, about that fire. I know for me, when I sit around a campfire, I, did, I have to do that twice this week. There's something about just looking into the flames that, for me, invites reflection invites me to ponder there's something about the flames as they flicker that seem to promote more intimate conversation among friends and family there's something very powerful and beautiful about fire we know that fire is used for a lot of good things um, if, if you're driving a car, or most of us, if we're driving a car, um, uh, some of you have batteries, and that's a whole different story, but if you have a car still powered by gasoline, truck, trains, planes, um, boats, uh, they're propelled along in part by fire. There's a spark that leads to a process we call combustion that propels um, and produces the energy that propels those vessels and those vehicles along. Fire can be so good, but even as we say that, what do we also know about fire? It can be devastating, right? It can cause incredible damage and destruction. Uh, we've just seen uh, over the last month with these unprecedented wildfires in California, uh, California, Canada, there's wildfires in California too, uh, hundreds of thousands of acres that have been burned. And even because of how the fronts move through, that smoke has made its way into Indiana. We had to breathe it over the course of several days. Some of you have stories from your childhood or stories from your adulthood where a home in which you lived uh, burned down and you bear the scars in your life even of that. Some of you have been burned in the flames. Uh, we have a dear friend who as a child uh, was, a, was involved in a house fire and her body still bears the scars to this day. We, we see the destructive force of fire. I want to share about fire because there's something in our lives that's even more naturally occurring than fire and flames that can be both used for incredible good or horrendous harm. And that's our words. Our words, whether they are spoken 
typed, texted, emailed, handwritten. If you are an ASL person, signed, um, they can cause tremendous harm or tremendous good. Our words have incredible power. And what's really interesting about fire and words is that James, who writes in the New Testament, uh, what we call a book of wisdom, tells us about the power of the tongue for destructive purposes. And one of the things he names is that our tongue can be like a spark that sets a whole forest on fire. Uh, Our words can be used for tremendous good or tremendous harm. Where we're studying the book of Proverbs, we're looking at this ancient wisdom that's practical wisdom for today and how it helps us learn and discover how God wants us to live, how you and I can live well. And we've said from the very beginning of this series that God does want you to live well. Uh, There's this verse we've looked at a couple of times, John 10, 10. It tells us that the thief, the enemy, Satan, the adversary, the devil, the one who is opposed to God and all of his forces, they want to steal, kill, and destroy. They want to harm you and they want to keep you from what God's best is. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have life to the full, life in abundance. God wants you to live well. He does. Don't believe the false narrative. He wants you to live well. And so Proverbs, along with the rest of Scripture, helps us see how we can live well. And there's so much practical wisdom in Proverbs about how we can live well, including words about the words that we speak and we write and we say. Isn't this the profound mystery of language? Uh, is that it seems to be hardwired into the DNA of of us as human beings. In fact, if you talk to linguists who uh, study the science of language and understand language, uh, they will talk about how every civilization in our world has language. No one had to come to them and say, hey, you need to develop a language for yourselves. From the very beginning, as we are born, we make sounds, and those sounds then connote or communicate meaning. In fact, in linguistics, those sounds that convey meaning would be called morphemes. And those morphemes in civilizations where their languages are identified by character symbols in the English language letters, those sounds um, that we visualize in these letters combine to form words, which combine to form clauses and phrases, which combine to form sentences, which combine to form paragraphs, monologues, dialogues, like we communicate, these, these sounds have meaning, and every civilization in the world has language. We communicate. Our words, our sounds are like these cargo ships that are carrying the precious cargo of our thoughts, uh, our attitudes. Isn't that mysterious? Like, our sounds convey the deepest longings of us. They communicate our attitudes, our feelings, our emotions. They have such incredible power. They can have such incredible beauty, but they also can be so incredibly destructive. And if we're just honest in this room, each of us bears the harmful effects of words, don't we? Something that a parent said to you, something that a sibling said to you, something that a child said to you, something that someone you thought was a friend said to you, something that maybe a boss or a coworker said to you, they still are carried with you. Some of us, and I don't say us just as an inviting, encompassing word, I'm talking about myself, have sought therapy for the words that have been said to us or about us. 
There are words that have been said that have attacked my character, that have uh, criticized parts of me in ways that were intended to harm that I had to seek therapy for. Like, like our words can hurt others tremendously. And if we're going to be really honest for a moment, I've been trying to encourage that in this series. We can talk about living wisely, and we can, we can reflect on these things like friendship and our words, and we can tend to say, well, I wish everybody else would do it this way. But let's look in the mirror and look at ourselves, because if we're honest, each of us has said things that have harmed and hurt other people, sometimes not even intentionally, uh, but, but they have. There's tremendous power in our words for good and for harm. So how, how, do we, how, how, do we, how do we channel our words to be used for what is good? And I want to look in Proverbs um, over the next several minutes just to show you the wise teachings that are there. Um, the teachings we see in Proverbs as it relates to our words are consistent with what we see in, in the rest of Scripture. In fact, sometimes we'll bridge to those a little bit like we just did with James but we need to appreciate the power of our words for good and for harm. And I'm going to start with the power of our words for harm and what the wise teacher in Proverbs tells us. Because I want to end with the power of our words for good. But let's just own and appreciate the wisdom that's there to, to see just how destructive our words can be. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10 I'm forgetting my reference here. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 14. It says this. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Uh, we, we said a few weeks ago that there's kind of this principle at play in the book of Proverbs. that We call it the principle of the two paths. Uh, there's the foolish path and there's the wise path. Uh, the fool in Proverbs is the person, sometimes characterized by the word wickedness uh, or the word perverse. The, the, the fool is the one who says, I don't need to listen to God's instruction. I don't need to follow God's instruction. I will just do it my own way because I can do it better. The wise or the righteous or the prudent is how it's described in Proverbs is the person who says, God, I respect your authority. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I respect you, so I want to do it your way. So we see this principle of the two paths, and that shows up even in this verse. The wise, the one who fears God, stores up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool, the one who says, God, I don't need to do it your way, invites ruin. That word ruin is a pretty strong word, isn't it? It carries with it some pretty uh, visual um, thoughts. Uh, we, we look at the Roman Colosseum as it falls apart, and we say that um, there are ruins there. Uh, we, we look to uh, old civilizations. You even go into the Smoky Mountains, and you can find the ruins of old cabins. Uh, ruins are those places that have been destroyed to the point where uh, they no longer exist. There's no longer a life there. And the wise teacher says that the fool that his or her mouth invites that type of destructive force, that type of ruin. Proverbs 18, verses 6 and 7, kind of elaborates on the similar sentiment. The lips of fools 
bring them strife. That's Proverbs 18.6. The lips of fools bring them strife. The lips of fools bring them difficulty. The lips of fools bring them hardship. When we choose to speak and use words that don't honor God, uh, they, they, they harm us. They bring ruin. They bring strife. And their mouths invite a beating. Their mouths get them into trouble. The mouths of fools, verse 7, are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. Now, I'm not going to ask you to share a story uh, out loud, but I think all of us could think of a few times in our lives when our mind said, uh, shut up, don't say it, um, don't say it, shut up, shut up, shut up, and you chose to speak anyway, and immediately you were filled with regret. Or maybe in time you saw the harm that your words did uh, to someone else. And by the way, if you're sitting here thinking, I've never thought to myself, I shouldn't say it, then you probably need someone to tell you what you shouldn't say. Um, because all of us have had our mouths get us into trouble from, from time to time. They ensnare us. They, they hurt us. And so in Proverbs, when we look at what types of speech hurt and what types of speech harm and what types of words cause destructive damage like a forest fire, uh, we find a few things. Uh, we, we find gossip is, is mentioned. Look at verse 8 in Proverbs 18. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. Uh, the, the words of a gossip. Uh, it's interesting in Proverbs as well as in the New Testament in Paul's letters, gossip is something that characterizes people. People are called gossips, but we're not really given a clear definition of what gossip is, yet the term is often paired in the New Testament with ideas like malicious talk and lying and slander. It's this idea that, that, that gossip is when we talk about other people Sometimes we just simply want to talk about the bad things in their lives because it makes us somehow feel better, which seems pretty, pretty awful even when we say it that way. But gossip can also be intentionally sharing bad things about people to bring down their character in someone else's eyes. Gossip can be conversing about what you believe to be the motives of somebody else when you don't really know their motives, but you share them as though they're fact and it brings down their reputation in the eyes of another person. Gossip can be intentional slander, intentionally trying to tear down someone. It can be lying about someone's life. But it's, it's when you share bad things about someone from their life or about their life that's intended to make you feel better and to make the other person look worse. And again, if we're honest, how many of us have been victims of the gossip of other people? How many of us have walked into offices and break rooms and living rooms and overheard conversations and those wounds hit deep. And if we're honest, how many of us have been a part of those same conversations? I don't have this verse on the screen for you. Uh, verse 16, 28, chapter 16, verse 28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Uh, we, we see just how damaging gossip uh, can be. There's other types of speech mentioned in Proverbs. Uh, among them uh, is lying. If you look at Proverbs chapter 6, thumb back towards the beginning of the book. In Proverbs 6, uh, verses 16 through 19, Solomon uses kind of this way of teaching to highlight what really uh, bothers God. He says this in verse 16, there are six things the Lord hates, 
seven that are detestable him. So here's a great list of what God despises and detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Out of the seven things that are listed, three of them have to do with what we use our mouths for. Verse 17, a lying tongue. Verse 19, the first part of it, a false witness who pours out lies. The last part of verse 19, a person who stirs up conflict. How do you stir up conflict? But with your words, right? Whether they're spoken words, written words, texted words, emailed words, blogged words, vlogged words, whatever type of words you're going to use, um, it, it can stir up conflict. And two of those are lying. We know that lies can hurt. I think sometimes we struggle because we want to make uh, the definition of a lie uh, pretty simplistic. We want to say that it's just simply not telling the truth and we think that if we tell maybe a partial truth or a half truth, or if we're telling a story and we withhold a little bit of information, it's still okay. But if you're not telling the whole truth, then, then you're lying. And lying hurts and, and lying harms. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. And we could go on and on. You can, you can run through the pages of Proverbs and you can find more words about gossiping and lying and slandering. The point is this, is that Proverbs, the wise teacher makes a point to convey to his child who he wants to grow up and to live well, that your words can make a mess of your life. We have experienced that we have been party to that. We have perpetrated that. So my question is, when will we, and I mean we, all of us, including me, when will we truly appreciate the power of our words? When, when will we start seeking God's help and help my words not be characterized by the way the world uses words? Use my words for good rather than for evil. Would you be willing to do an inventory of the words that come from you and how many of them in your given day, in your given week, in your given month, are full of gossip or lying or, or slander. And we even get to the, the, the writer of Proverbs talks about perverse speech, any speech that's opposed to what God would desire, corrupt speech. What would an inventory of our mouths reveal about us? Those words can harm and hurt and destroy like a fire. So what's the alternative? Well, that same tool, our lips, our tongues, our hands, our fingers, can be used for healing and for good. Look at this collection of things our mouths can be used for. Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 18 and following The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Yeah, words can hurt. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Just as much as your words can harm, your words can bring healing. Your words, my words, can be a healing balm, a healing salve uh, to, to the wounds in someone's life. 
Um, growing up, what was popular in my home, if you had a cut, if you had an abrasion, um, my mom would put Neosporin on a bandage, and she would put it on that cut, and we would watch that cut heal. That, that antibiotic ointment was helpful to the healing process. Your words can be that in someone else's life. When someone else has been hurt, when someone else has been ruined by the words of another, your words possess the power to bring healing. Verse 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Your words can leave a legacy that outlasts your lifetime. Just as much as we can remember harsh words and need to seek therapy for those, it's likely that many of us can think of the words from a parent, a coach, a sibling, a teacher that are carried with us even to this day that have helped us words that we cling to in moments when we doubt ourselves or we're disappointed or we're discouraged. Words can leave a legacy. The shirt that I'm wearing is a shirt I bought from a place called Art of Homage. The name of the shirt is Christian Gossip. Uh, It says, if you're gonna talk about somebody today, talk about Jesus. When you speak about Jesus, you leave a lasting legacy. Isn't it interesting that, 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 that these words, again, it's part of the mystery of words, these sounds that we articulate and say are what God has entrusted to carry his message of salvation and redemption and purpose and hope uh, to a world in need. And your words, when you share his truth, can leave a legacy that far outlasts your life and shapes and changes the eternity of, of, of other people. Our words can bring healing. Our words can leave a legacy. Look at verse 20. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. Our words can promote peace. Our words can promote wholeness and wellness in a way that leads to even joy for us as we articulate them. Are our words healing? Are our words leaving a legacy of truth? Are our words full of peace? Are we experiencing the joy that comes from that? And if we move beyond Proverbs chapter 12, here are some ones that we find. Proverbs 10, 21, our words can nourish. Your words can feed and fuel people's lives. Your good words can. Your good words can inspire them, can challenge them, can, 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 can encourage them to, to better things. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, your words can be a tree of life. Your soothing words can lead to people being like a tree that produces fruit, that brings life to other people. That's what your words can be. Proverbs 16, verse 24, talks about how our words can be sweet like honeycomb, our gracious words. And they can bring healing. Are our words gracious? So when you look at your life, when you look at the inventory of your speech, and I would even suggest that we need help doing this. I won't forget the words of Jeremiah and um, the words of the prophet of the Old Testament. He tells us that our hearts can be deceptive above all else. Uh, we each possess the power to convince ourselves of things about us that aren't true. And it's important that we have trusted people around us that we will allow to speak truth into our lives even when it hurts? Would you invite people that you trust in to help you do an inventory of your words? To help you see, are your words more destructive when you look at the 
collective uh, of your words or your words more healing and gracious and soothing and truthful? How do you know? How do you determine? How do you affect the words that are coming from your mouth? Again, Proverbs gives us wisdom here. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 23 The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. And likewise, verse 16, uh, chapter 16, sorry, verse 23, says this about our heart. That the hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent and their lips promote instruction. If you want to use words that are healing, words that are gracious, words that are soothing, words that are peaceful, words that leave a legacy, it's going to come because something has happened in your heart. What I love about the wisdom of Solomon is that he tells us that our heart affects us. It's from the heart of a fool that folly comes out. It's from the heart of someone who's rejected God and what is in there that, that leads to those destructive words. It's in the heart of the wise that, that good things come. We could say it this way, that our words are a window into our soul. What do you do with a window? A window on a home. You can go up to it and you can look through the window and you can see what's inside. You can go up to a car in a parking lot and I don't recommend doing this. You might get in trouble, but you can, you can look into the windows and see what's inside. A business is the same thing. You look through the windows and see what's inside. Our words act like a window into our souls. They reveal what's in our hearts. Now, some of you may say, Craig, I think you're taking this too far. These are words of wisdom from Proverbs. Are our words really a window into our souls? And I would say, um, listen to Jesus and not to Craig. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. No good tree bears good fruit. Bears, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things. A good woman brings good things. A good teenager brings good things. A good preteen brings good things. A good aged uh, adult brings good things of the good stored up in their heart. And an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his or her heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our words are a window into our soul. If you do an inventory of your words and they are primarily negative and they are primarily harsh and they are primarily rude and they are primarily perverse and they are primarily antagonistic and they are primarily critical, that is a window into what's happening in your heart. And if your words are primarily uplifting and primarily encouraging, even when it's correction, even when it's rebuke, it's done in a way that's, that's gracious and meant to build people up, that's a window into your heart. And it's not as though Luke is the only one that records this from Jesus. Matthew, in two different places, tells us that Jesus said very similar things. Apparently, it's something that Jesus talked about a lot, that your heart affects what you do and who you are and what you say. So what do our words reveal about our hearts? What do Craig Howey's words reveal about what's in his heart? What do your words reveal about what's in your heart? When you do an inventory, what does it communicate about you and who you are? I, I would suggest that if, if what you see in your heart uh, through your words is more negative, more perverse, more corrupt, more harsh, then that's evidence of the places that God needs to do more work in you. 
when you look at your life, when you can see places where your words are uplifting and they're gracious and they're soothing and they're encouraging and they're healing, then that's evidence of the places that God has transformed you. So that spur you on to allow God to do more in you. So what affects your heart to make it produce those types of words? We can go back to the words of Proverbs, I think it's chapter four, where he tells us to guard our heart because it's the wellspring of life. Guard our heart because that's where life comes from. Our hearts are like sponges. They absorb from our experiences and our circumstances. And we're not talking about the physical organ or muscle of the heart that is pumping blood in your body right now. But we're talking about what has been talked about through the ages from ancient civilizations to now. We are united by this. We talk about the heart as that place of decision-making and thinking where character is forged and, and where life comes from. It's like a sponge. If, if you notice that the words that come out of you are more antagonistic, are more harsh, are more drawn to being negative and critical and judgmental, then chances are you are putting yourself in positions where you're having conversations that are antagonistic and critical and judgmental, or you're watching or listening to podcasts and things that promote the very same things. Likewise, if you notice that you find yourself speaking things that are more perverse, more full of sexual innuendo, making more you know, off-color jokes, then chances are you're watching, you're listening to, you're having conversations about those very same things. Because our hearts absorb from what's around us. And so if you want the good in your heart to come out, fill it with good things. Fill it with things that are pure and lovely and pleasing and uplifting to our God. And you will find that your mouth follows because our hearts are where our words are born from. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If we're going to live well, a big part of that's gonna come by how we use our lips and our tongue and our hands when we write and our fingers when we type. You don't just think about what you say, think about what you're posting and what you're texting and what you're emailing. Would you immerse yourself in things that honor God to allow your heart to absorb that so that out of the flow of your heart is good things that are being spoken and written and shared? Let's be people who live well. Let's be people who, with our tongues, create beautiful fires that people can gather around, who with our, our tongues, you know, promote beautiful fireworks that, that draw people to their beauty. Uh, let's not be people who spread things that consume like wildfires and destroy. And allow God and people that you care about to help you with that inventory. So together we can promote an incredible God and his incredible kingdom to a world in need. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your words that you inspired through your spirit that are so powerful and they can shape our lives. I can't help but think about the power of words when I think of you. Your divine utterances were a part of creation. You spoke and it was. It's your words that instructed Adam and Eve and it's the deceptive words of the enemy that drew them away. It's your words that have commissioned Noah and Abraham and Moses and many others. 
It's your words that were given on stone tablets and provided to your people. Lord, we, we hear Jesus talked about as the word became flesh. So God, may we see the power of words because you're a creator who uses words. And God, may we choose to do the hard work to cast aside those patterns of speech that are opposed to your best. And God, choose to use words that promote life and healing and peace and joy. Guide us in this, Father, and lead us. In your name we pray, amen.